this is a good time to welcome everybody, listeners, players, to our first real full-on side quest here. Um, this is with new characters, a new adventure. The important thing is it's in the same world. Um, in Kasur, the name of the world that is in Strangers Rolling Dice, not one town, not one city or landmark has been wrenched from another setting, but dozens of locations and, and concepts have been taken from other fantasy games, movies, and TV, and especially from Dungeons & Dragons source material. Candlekeep is one of them. And so, in our world, Candlekeep is a great library. They call it the birthday cake as a slang um, because the number of towers in the great walled city by the sea uh, makes it look at night like a cake covered in gleaming burning candles um, the the keep sits on this long deep rocky promontory overlooking the sea and Anyone who hopes to gain an entrance to Candlekeep has to pay a unique toll at the gatehouse. Other cities might ask for coin or for uh, a mark of safe passage or some sort of permission to enter. Candlekeep only requires one thing. To gain entrance, you must present a book or a work of art in the visual medium that is unique that they do not already contain within their great library walls. So we see from above this long stepping stone path that winds up to the castle gate and on a misty morning there's a long line each one occupying one stepping stone and you see at the gate ahead of you both this kiosk, for lack of a better term, where someone has to tell their story and present their work, and then it is reviewed before they are granted entrance. So I want to know, as our two new characters here, Bobble and Tunji, as it comes to your turn to present a unique work, what do you present? You said it was a, a unique work or a book, right? Something visual that they can catalog in their great reliquary. Um, you know, they don't just have books here. There are all sorts of curios and artifacts. and It's all about knowledge, you know? Can you give them something? Okay. Even if it's just, wow, this painting is gorgeous. We've never seen this one before. Um... I suppose Bobble might have a uh, a drawing of a uh, incredible and rare uh, weapon that they got a the chance to like see at some point in their travels, mm. um, okay. and that might be incredibly rare or something. Sure, like a, a rendering, like yeah. an art, a skilled artist's rendering of a legendary weapon that is maybe it's only contained in like a a king's vault in a distant kingdom and you were granted access to it 
yeah super lucky because i'm just like obsessed with weapons and stuff and figuring okay. things out about them so i have this uh among other pictures of other really sure. cool weapons of <laughs> i have this yeah legendary one that is much more rare than the other random drawings okay. i have and so this this person wearing purple and red robes uh, at the kiosk they review your drawings like mm, yes hmm right i had heard of these but never seen one in person of course so this drawing is quite nice i can picture it now much better thank you uh, and and you know that this order of people that maintain the library they are called the avowed their vow is basically to safeguard the knowledge kept within and to provide it with justice and clarity and fairness and compassion to the citizens of Kasur. So they let you pass and you enter this massive court of air. It's, uh, it's filled with busy looking scholars and traders, adventurers, people of all sorts going one way or another. And then it comes to be Tunji's turn. Oh, well, Tunji, it just so happens, happens to have a scroll case stuffed full of notes. And in this scroll mm. case, he has a small booklet that was written by the elders of his monastery in the central mountain range of Kasur. In here mm. are the documented notes of their understanding of Kasur's origins with a heavy emphasis of their studies on its cold, frigid climate and uh, a pursuing search for to understanding the ring of glaciers around the world and mm. it's kind of an open essay examining the world why it is the way it is how it is and very poses further questions very interesting i think they start pouring over this document and they actually call over one of the other kiosk attendants and they flag it and they say oh, this one will be red and wind up thanking you, bowing deeply, um, and ushering you inside, uh, and sending it off with a courier immediately. Awesome. And you too are ushered past the guards, which they're also wearing this purple and red silken robes, but over their robes they're wearing shiny metal pauldrons and carry halberds, and they usher you inside. And you are now in this great courtyard. And I would imagine that the two of you are probably pretty hungry because the way this line works is you are supposed to wait into it uh, in this line until it's your turn. And it's kind of like almost like gaining entrance to some monasteries in our world where you, you must prostrate yourself uh, outside and show that you are willing to wait in this cold sea spray and fog, uh, keeping your scrolls dry and everything, you know? And then if you can give them some actual new knowledge, if you're not one of the others that are turned away, you are given entrance. But there's not like uh, a lot of places to eat outside. People make camp every so often out there and cook themselves their own meals or eat dried rations, but it's probably been a few days since you've had a hot meal that you didn't make yourself. So where do you go now? Um, 
each of you. I mean, there there is a, I will say on that note, there's a restaurant that's right across from you here, the hearth, uh, and it beckons in. You see a pretty steady stream of travelers that come through the gates. They go right there. <laughs> that would definitely be a first stop after yeah, such Yeah, my stomach is definitely okay. rumbling. All right. So you guys, I think we sort of see you bringing in your, your backpacks and your, your rucksacks and stuff. And you don't know each other at this point, right? You're just total strangers? I don't believe so. We didn't talk about that. I think that's oh, fine. We'll start with strangers. It's, it's, it's great. Um, this is a, a way for the characters to organically begin to know each other. Um, so you, you come to a place, the House of Rest and the Hearth, um, still in this big court of air, this outside... Uh, all cobblestone surrounded by towers and the hearth is serving uh, a pretty hearty breakfast late late breakfast brunch and i think we see each of you sitting down at tables and uh, a waiter comes over to you you order and i think each of you wind up uh, hearing back from the waiter as you sit, and I think this is, this is great, I think we see you guys sitting on either side of a booth, like with your backs to each other, and you don't see each <laughs> other, and you're seated at these at these two wooden booths, and you hear one at a time, uh, the waiter comes over and says, I'm terribly sorry, um, we are actually out of the uh, the smelt today, and and the crab cakes as well. We, we do not have any. It seems that the Mater D made an error and did not strike it from the menu. Uh, and then the same one comes over again and says, "I do apologize, but the fish tacos are simply not on the menu today." Um, can I interest you in some pork or perhaps uh, one of our vegetarian options? And so now would be a good time to go over why your characters came here. I know we probably touched on it a little bit when you were outside, but um, this place is a, a place of knowledge. So why has Tunji come to Candlekeep? That is an excellent question. Well, Tunji, this whole there's there is some building out, some fleshing out to still happen, but Tunji is from a monastery mm -hmm. deep in the mountains of Kasur that plays a very heavy philosophical interest in the natural world of Kasur. And one thing okay. that we all know about this place is it is cold. Very it is frigid. Cold. The oceans have towering glaciers and in every direction. <laughs> in every direction. So yes. certainly there may have been people out there who've gazed out to the horizon on ships and wondered what's beyond those walls. Why? Mm -hmm is the world the way it is. So it just so happens over generations, people tend to gather, beliefs tend to coalesce. Mm -hmm. And this monastery formed where the, these monks, they study, their goal is to study the world of the natural world of Kasur, why the way mm -hmm. it is. And through that, they seek to find their place as these small little beings in a greater world. And through that okay. find self-fulfillment and in a sense, enlightenment. And so Tunji has been sent here to 
seek a specific set of information or just generally to there are there are people here who live in Candlekeep and spend their entire lives studying subjects far more esoteric and isolated and not related to other things than that subject so um is it, is it a mission of of residence or are you here on a business trip what, what is the situation i would say it could be a mission of residence in that his goal is well at the surface level it's to dive deeper into the history of kasura but right. these monks place such a heavy emphasis on the element of this this cold just the the yeah. feeling, the sensation, and the world that he, they want to dive into its pri the primal existence, almost the prehistory. Okay. And of course, while they would send out their younger, you know, monks and acolytes to find information, it would really just go so far as to go into like you know a, maybe a relatively distant city or town and speak sure. to the scholars there. But Tunji is here to find to try get as close as he can to the source of very cool this information. And and I think that that lends you well to um th this background lends you well to living here there are a lot of people who have sent you know one person from their community to be the representative from this village from this monastery from this faith or this uh, even you know nations will send scholars here to learn and to share knowledge and it's considered like you know if the if the library of alexandria were to still exist today it would, I would hope, be a mecca for people of information, and they would want to go there and and share what they have, but also learn from others. And in a world without the internet, um, it's all physical, you know? All Absolutely. the information is contained here. So that's great. Um, let's go to, to Bobble. Why is Bobble here? Well, um... Bobble has been traveling through Kasur, searching uh, for fine, incredible weaponry, looking for... Um, there's this ancient legend about Abraxas Paraxis, uh, ancient legendary hero, um, who um, apparently, like, I don't know, united a bunch of kingdoms or something, mm -hmm. and, like, had this incredible sword and armor and stuff, mm -hmm. and um, it's just, like many many years ago and there's this legend of this his uh lost sword um named eidolon that is supposedly um still embedded in some rock in kasur somewhere waiting to be plucked um from it and by the right person so i came here on a lead from a previous adventure to uh research the best library in kasur to see if there's anything i can dig up about it all right that is a pretty concrete reason to be in this place. Uh, you've maybe kind of over your travels learned a lot and found like minor trinkets of this lost era of Kasur, but nothing like a full weapon, you know? Um, and the holy grail for you would be finding this sword, but you'd probably settle for a cache of weapons or some blueprints or some anthropological, archaeological finds that would make you famous in the academic yeah. community uh, if you were to find that. Or a name, just like more names or yeah, yeah just anything about it. Right, um, okay. I'm looking for that. 
Very um, cool. Should we describe our characters as well? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and describe your characters? That's a great okay. point. I didn't right. uh, have you do that yet. So go ahead and describe uh, yeah. Bobble here. So um, Bobble Waggle Topple is like a, uh, a very small uh, Lightfoot Halfling, um, gender neutral, uh, kind of like a mullet brownish hair. Um, mm. Got like a huge long sword that on their hip that is like kind of dragging <laughs> on the ground as uh, as they walk around. Um, a big old crossbow slung on the back, uh, a hammer, um, and a backpack, uh, uh, like light almond skin. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Wearing Very leather cool. armor. And Tunji. Oh, with um, also with a, a nice uh, a medallion on their chest. Ah, uh, okay. Like a medallion. necklace. With like also a, a horn. Let's say that, that necklace, if, if I may, uh, mm -hmm. that necklace is one of the trinkets that you have found. Oh, um, very cool. From yes, this lost yeah. civilization. Um, this lost era where weapons were and armor and trinkets and tools even were forged from this metal. I kind of smirked to myself uh, that uh, I didn't give them my medallion. <laughs> they, did, they probably <laughs> wouldn't even know what they were looking at. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Oh, that's so, so some cool. Some other trinkets. All right. So then Tunji. Um, Tunji? Okay. Honestly, Tunji would probably fill most people's idea of a monk. He is mm. very plainly clothed in blues and whites, uh, dressed in a way... You'd imagine, why are you not freezing your ass off? But <laughs> he spent his entire life acclimating to the cold, studying it. For him, this is actually quite amiable. Running down, he has he's primarily bald with a small tuft mm. of hair on the back that he keeps tied up. He could grow a full head, but his monastery, they prefer to keep things pretty uh, clean. It is the yeah, way. Small, exactly. <laughs> small, <laughs> uh, small goatee, as well as a face tattoo, uh, a streak running from his nose up ah, to the, towards cool. the top of his forehead, as well as on the back of his hands. Well, uh, don't mistake that for frostbite. That is just uh, some ceremonial inking. <laughs> and right, cool. beyond that, he is a he's a male of just looks like maybe in his 30s or so. Uh, okay. Tanned skin, clearly bitten by the frost, more than enough times to leave uh, some well-worn texture to it. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so the two of you are sitting in this tavern, as many adventurers do start in taverns. And you were unable to secure each of you. Uh, I didn't want to speak for your characters, but uh, you were unable to secure the seafood that you ordered while uh, at this restaurant. And you notice that uh, af after the waiter offers you some sort of land-based cuisine, uh, another employee of the hearth goes over to the big chalkboard where they list the menu uh, and scratches out uh, a couple of items. Like, don't have any of that. Um, and a group of these purple and red robed avowed actually enter the hearth. Two by two, there's a total of four of them. And then at the back, a fifth, who looks like they're wearing some sort of single epaulette that notes their status. And they, the, the four sort of part ways and uh, take stations around the room. And this one looks around this tavern and you all probably catch their gaze. Um, and you see they're looking at every person 
every table intently and sort of narrowing their gaze at some, smiling at others, always saying, you're all right, to others, and, and saying, it's all right, everyone, don't worry. Um, but they come over to the two of you, looking a little different than some of the other denizens of this tavern. Everyone else looks a little bit more like a common traveler. Uh, there's no long swords strapped on their, uh, on their hips. There's no, uh, you know, people that look like they could survive out in the wilds in here at this moment. It's, it's actually a, a little bit of a quiet day. And um, it's just some commoners and some avowed off-duty having their morning brunch. Uh, and this robed person with the epaulette comes over to you two and says, Excuse me. Uh. Who, who, me? Yes, you. And they also move their finger over to behind you at the other booth. And you. Oh, uh, yes. How, how can we help? I'm glad that that is the question that you have. For that is what I seek. Help. I cannot help but notice that you are new here. And though you may have gained entrance to our fair city... Uh, may I see your emerald door keys, if you have them? And I kind of look at confused, yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you are to gain entrance to the emerald door, and the knowledge that awaits you within, um, for I assume that travelers like you don't seek something as simple as to be found in the pillars of pedagogy, um, we have a task for you. And so, out of character here, at least in our world, something that you could get from a Google search, you can find in the Pillars of Pedagogy. It is just a big library filled with information about all sorts of stuff. However, something more esoteric something magical, something rare, those are held in one of the numerous specialized libraries held within the keep itself, past a great emerald door that you did see as you entered the Court of Air. It is made, it seems, from the stone itself and radiates green light. And there's a pair of guards with, the, uh, you know, big uh, spears, the halberds, waiting there as well. And people it seems, must present some sort of pass key to be able to get inside that layer of the castle. So, this person reiterates, we have a task for you. You may have noticed, um, there are no crab cakes here. Stomach grumbles. We, we, we'll make sure you are fed, don't worry, Candlekeep will be fine, but some of our pescatarian denizens here. I've been complaining much of late, and uh, we have noticed that the shipments from our trading post nearby have run dry as of late. Um, we're looking for, and have been uh, for several days, two new entrants who are, or more, but it seems two will do, who is the minimum, um, 
to investigate this for us. Uh, there's a trading post nearby that belongs to the Gripley. And I want you guys to make the first roll here. Why don't you roll me a history check, each of you? Oof, that's a seven. Okay. I rolled a 16 plus history is seven. That's a, what, a 23? That's a 23, yeah, that's pretty All good. Right. Um, okay. Excellent. Um, I probably and, read about them and they're yeah. uh, weird weapons in some book. You see, you sort of see that uh, as maybe the two of you like look at each other around this booth and like acknowledge that there's two people <laughs> being talked to here. Um, I peek over the top of the booth. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you, you notice that when they say the Gripply, um, Tunji, you notice that Bobble seems to raise an eyebrow in recognition. And Ooh. Bobble, what you know about the Gripply is they are frog people. They are usually pretty friendly. Um, they are not super numerous all over the world, but you can find them living in swampy or coastal locations. And they uh, are commonly, you know, fishermen and that kind of profession of the aquatic persuasion. They don't usually live alongside other humanoids, but they're not uh, known like their distant cousins, the Bullywugs, to be innately aggressive and antisocial. Um, and I think that the avowed sort of explains to Tunji, the Gripply are a nearby village that supply us with much of the seafood that we eat here in Candlekeep, which actually accounts for a surprising uh, amount of our caloric intake. We need the two of you to help figure out why our food supplies have run dry. We haven't heard from the Gripply Trading Post in a matter of days. Would you, for these, and he takes from his uh, the folds of his robe, two emerald pass keys, for these and our continuing patronage, would you take up this cup? Oh, and I must add, a sum of 500 gold pieces will be paid to each of you upon return with successful uh, mission parameters completed. Uh, I look over to Tunji to uh, go off of his cue. And Tunji looks at Bobble and does recognize that they, while he doesn't know Bobble personally, that he know he of course saw him in line, knew that they were waiting forever. And he's a rather straightforward thinker. He looks back at this fellow mm -hmm. with the epaulette, just kind of like kind of rubs the back of his neck, thinks to him, thinks out loud to himself. I was not told that. There was a second door to get in to the great library and candlekeep. I also Would you believe it if there was a third door, a fourth, perhaps even a fifth? Or perhaps I should carry a keyring on me next time I come visit. <laughs> and and he laughs said, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> <laughs> that said, I'd feel remiss to leave people hungry. Nonetheless, Perhaps we have been waiting in line for the first entry here for quite a long time. Is there perhaps anything you could give us? Anything to warm our stomachs before, well, 
looks over to Bobble. We set out with kind of a, I, are, are you in with me, I guess, on this kind of look? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like some lettuce wraps or spring rolls to go or something would be oh, really great. You, you, don't, you, you must not you know? leave now. I, I, I don't mean to give... It's, okay. not, it's not that kind of an emergency, but if you would depart sometime today, tomorrow, um, perhaps we can even give you some provisions for your way. Uh, Candlekeep provides, should the need arise. Uh, that would be very kind. Your lunch, you. your your brunches at least are on us, regardless of your decision. Well, uh, this all—I mean, it makes a ton of sense to me. I'm—I would love to get inside the library. Um, I—I I, uh, definitely don't know how to get one of those keys. You seem to be really holding all the the uh, all the cards here. Well, perhaps so, yes. your, your inquiries here could be answered in the more mundane pillars of pedagogy, but again, <laughs> the two of you do not look like that is where your quest brings you. Just Very if I can you. judge a book by its cover. Well, you well, certainly have. <laughs> <laughs> if all we must What's do that? is find more fish and crabs to get further access into your library, well... That feels like a pretty easy transaction for me. Well, um, we do have, seeming, seeing as you did seem to accept, we do have additional information that we can give you. Um, and perhaps we can discuss this, uh, in the, in the other, in like the inside lounge, is there like a teacher's lounge? Yes, perhaps we can discuss this um, over at the House of the Binder and be able to give you what you need, if you need anything, at Erudite Outfitters and Clothiers. Uh, before you depart, make sure you've settled any business you have here. Any possessions you do not want to bring with you may remain in a room at the House of Rest. And he, and he sort of prattles on and on and on. And we see the camera sort of pan across this big tavern. Uh, it's pretty quiet. Uh, mostly empty as the two of you on this foggy day are pressed into service for Candlekeep. All right. So I'm going to give you a little bit of information here about your mission and what they give you. Um, let me see where, where I had it here a second ago. Once you arrive at the House of the Binder, uh, which seems a much more ceremonial place um, than this inn. Uh, perhaps business is attended to here. You see people walking from cloistered room to cloistered room. Um, they all seem like they have a lot of purpose about their walk, like they're looking for something or they're bringing something somewhere. And this uh, robed person who introduces themselves to you uh, as Magister Pelk, um, Magister Pelk says, There's a book contained within the walls of Candlekeep, brought to it several years ago. It may aid you in this endeavor, it may not. However, it is what we know of the Gripley. This book must have been claimed by a group of explorers. History may be repeating itself. And Pelk allows you to inspect 
this book. And I'm going to show you a handout here um, of what this book looks like. Can you guys Ooh. see that handout? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Now, let me... That's quite a tome. Like, yes. turquoise, leather-bound. So we sort of see you guys, like, put it on the table. Do you open it? Hell yeah! All right. I look at Tunji and let Tunji open it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, he seems so excited. Yeah, hell, hell yeah! Open it! All right, so... Uh, <laughs> I love it. So... It, it's it's covering ones, is made of this supple like teal greenish leather uh, reinforced with thicker strips of hide. Opening the cover reveals three intricately carved hollow wooden cylinders and a linen bag of dry clay artfully decorated with a drop of water. There are no pages nor parchments inside this faux book. Oh. The outside of each cylinder is covered with writing and simple images, apparently telling a story in three parts over three cylinders. Can, so we, discern, can we discern the, or are the pictures easily, like, can we tell what the pictures are on these cylinders? Um, you, you can discern that if you were to roll them across the clay, you might be able to see better what they depict. I say we do it. Yeah, let's do it. I, I take the clay out, and I guess, start spreading it on the table. And then add some, some water to it. Yeah, right. Mold it up. So it, a couple of minutes pass by as you guys sort of ball this clay up, knead the dough on the table, you know, and get it into a big, thick strip that's about the width of, or the height of these cylinders. Um, and the first, uh, as you begin to roll it, leaves impressions. And it's in a script that is similar to Dwarven, but similar to Common. It's kind of like in between, and there's some pictographs in there as well. What languages do you guys speak? I picked the wrong specialist specialties. I should have picked polyglot, <laughs> uh, not communications expert. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how much this been. happens with. Um, <laughs> I speak dwarvish, goblin, halfling, and common. You speak dwarvish, and you yeah. you recognize the script right away. Uh, Tunji, yeah, what sure. do you speak? Uh, common, dwarvish, and giant. So both of you recognize yes. this right away. Um, and so the first cylinder shows and explains uh, these frog-like humanoids um, living in the muck. Then the next image is them moving to the shore with waves crashing. And there's, uh, in the next image, a vessel in the distance. And then there is an image of the frog-like people rejoicing around tide pools, pulling a crab from it. And then the next image is of the... Uh, same frog people, numerous, around a great giant frog with what looks like treasure chests or like you get the impression that it's like depicting wealth, you know? It's depicting all of the things that they have gained. Uh, 
that's the first cylinder. And I assume you guys are going to do the all three? Yes. Heck yeah. Okay, the second cylinder story Slap begins. the clay up to smooth it yeah. out. Yeah, you, you yep. smooth it out, and you, you reset it, and you roll it carefully. As the avowed watch on, like, they've seen this before, and they nod, like, go ahead, get the knowledge you need. Um, the second cylinder story begins with a serpent creature lurking ominously outside a smaller version of this uh, gripply or frog people village. The servant folk in the next pane rush forth, seemingly attacking the village and killing the frog folk that stand against them. As the village, uh, as the village falls into disarray, the large crabs depicted in the tide pools seem to emerge. The third cylinder, after you make the final uh, inscription here. The third cylinder depicts and briefly tells in a couple of sentences about the aftermath of this assault. And it shows this village devoid of food and treasure and livestock. Standing still are the temple uh, and the other buildings, but it looks like small snake creatures are writhing across the floor of what used to be the the temple and across the streets and that's what's contained on the three cylinders hmm. tunji rubs the top of his bald head i have <laughs> in my journeys i have seen many many creation myths and stories but nothing like this yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's like, there's all these different kinds of animals, but there's no fish, right? There's um, frogs, there's crabs, there's serpents. The avowed uh, say, well, primarily the um, the food provided to us by the Gripply are shellfish, crabs, uh, um, okay, things from the sea. Yes, but. Um, they don't fish from boats or cast lines, if you understand. Okay. When, turning, turning to the avowed, when did you last hear from the Gripply? An excellent question. But before communications with the Gripply tapered off, people who returned to Candlekeep from a voyage to the Gripply trading post reported that uh, a small band of humanoids closer to humans had taken up residence there. Um, and that was only a few days ago. Since then, we, we haven't heard much. One of the last people that we heard from, one of our avowed, um, he reported that the trading post seemed like it had become a refugee camp. Um, in, in days past, I visited there and had uh, excellent exchanges with the, the kind frog folk there, but... They were not vicious monsters, nor poor beggars. They were simply people making their way. Um, however, now it, it seems that um, there's a, a great number of them living there. It doesn't make sense. Hmm. Perhaps their yeah. village is in trouble. 
And you haven't sent anyone that has returned? No, you see, we came down to the hearth to uh, find adventurers who frequent our grand library here to employ them to do so. I pat my uh, holds, holds no sorry. standing military. Go ahead. Oh, I just uh, <clears throat> pat the pommel of my oversized longsword and like, well, <laughs> I've been called an adventurer before, so. <laughs> Tenji looks over yeah. to him. Yes, you you don't seem like the everyday scholar here to bury his nose in books for years on end. In a jokingly <laughs> kind of like a friendly manner. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because like um, Bobble like does kind of look like the person, the kind of person that has definitely buried themselves in a book for yeah, many right. years at a time. So oh, okay. um, it's <laughs> yeah. just like overcompensating with like obsession with weapons. Right. And, yeah, yeah. Um, the books happen to be stuff. about like medieval history of weaponry and like yeah, that exactly. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like reading like, old manuals of like forms yeah, yeah. and stuff. Totally Trebuchet just... for dummies, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Oh, <laughs> okay. So I think then over the next hour or two, we see you guys just, you know, questioning and learning more about the situation, preparing yourselves. You, you check into a room, each of you, and you, you eat your meal and you, uh, you prepare whatever it is you need to do to prepare. Uh, additionally, you're informed that to arrive at the Gripply trading post, um, and perhaps if you must investigate the village, uh, they don't know what the situation is. Um, they have already enlisted uh, a sea captain, Miter Jans, who will transport you there. Uh, they tell you that Miter Jans, normally his job is bringing crab meat from the trading post to Candlekeep. And he is currently out of a job. Well, B sounds like we could give him some help. Yep. I don't know about you, but I've got five hundred or seven hundred fifty <laughs> gold gold to burn. <laughs> hey, I'm so, oh, sorry boy. to let you know. Tunji is not an ascetic monk, so unfortunately he's uh, not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll keep he'll keep what he has so far. <laughs> okay. Not no vow of poverty here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, All just right. like only has vestments and a large <laughs> pouch of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just well, the clothes you know, on his back and his huge sack of gold. I think monks can recognize that uh, money is the currency of the world and you need it to survive. I can remember being in, in West Sonoma County as a kid and living in, in Occidental and there being like Buddhist monks walking around. And I remember watching one time a Buddhist monk walking around on a cell phone and having a Slurpee. And I was like, <laughs> wow, okay, we live in a weird time, you know? Like it's, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, okay. So, um... So you guys want to go on this boat to this trading post? Dude, let's freaking go. And I am, just so y'all know, I am keeping an open moment. I'm keeping my mind open to a moment where Tunji can, like, definitely talk star with Bobble and get to know him better. That's, uh... Totally. I have my head cool. also in that field, so... But let's Same. go! Absolutely. Also, Let at me. some point, Bobble tried to redraw that picture that they gave. Okay. Um, <laughs> right because on. they liked it and they miss it. <laughs> Are you guys going to set out today or early tomorrow? Because they, uh, they say it's not like so urgent that you need to leave right now. They're looking for someone to sign on. And if you need a day yeah. to settle your affairs here and write a letter back to your to your people, say, I arrived at Candlekeep, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's fine. I think, yeah, I think a day, 
like sleep over, just kind of reset. Yeah. What say you? And, oh, uh, I you know I got nothing to do here. I mean, I guess we could look through the library here. I'm ready to go. There's nothing. If we okay. can't go inside the real library. Maybe we could. How long is the boat ride? There, the, um, the trip there. Maybe we could sleep on the boat there. It is about no, that's 50, not comfortable. No, it's fifty miles along the coast north. So that's oh. going to take a day or two. Okay. Oh, okay. So just maybe hop on the boat and just yeah. Yeah. Chill should we just boat? head out? Sure. If you want to head out tonight, then you'd probably arrive like in midday, the next day, right? If 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 you take off, um, this is not quite like Schloss Glacier where you need a lighthouse every five feet to not run into an iceberg. This is on the coast, not in in a fjord. Um, and yeah. it, though the seas can be tumultuous, um, it there there are open waters, and they're confident that if they take off, they could maintain a good heading through the night and. Uh, next day probably arrive before the day is over right well i think we probably yeah yeah, i was gonna say bob probably bob will gets like a uh a cask of ale for the uh trip up in the evening and uh to share with uh tunji and what's his name miter yans miter yans and he's got a ship's crew too like he's the captain okay there's there's like it's a it's a fairly large ship cool with just the idea of hanging out on the way up and stuff but Totally. Uh, and, I'm sure. And, yeah. What? Oh, sorry. I'm sure. I'm sure our, our adventures have slept in far worse conditions than on a <laughs> gently rocky yeah. ship. So I see no reason why they don't set out tonight. All right. So I think then we see you guys wrapping up your um your business here in the court of air, the more public facing part of Candlekeep, and you've been given your mission to gain entrance to prove yourselves to this place that you are here to serve knowledge and the safeguarding of it and uh feeding of the people that continue to archive it um and precious shellfish they're precious shellfish you know it makes sense though that this (laughs) seaside place would subsist mostly off of fish and that kind of stuff delicious crab rolls yeah delicious crab rolls (laughs) Um, employing a good local ripley community Shopping locally is always good. Um, Okay, so let me close some stuff here and move over to some other stuff. Uh, I can close this one. And I'm going to move you guys to a new map in a second here. Um, So as you make your way from Candlekeep, you go up the coast and up the coast and eventually arrive at what looks like a river inlet. And Miter yawns uh, the next day after a not terribly remarkable uh, voyage by sea, you pass by, you know, wooded coastline, and you can see mountains in the distance. Uh, y- you you arrive at what uh, Miter Jan says. You'll have to take a smaller boat upriver to get to the Gripley trading post. Uh, and he beckons you to join him. Uh, he will go personally. He says that he knows the uh, the leader of the trading post quite well, and that he will help introduce you. Awesome. Hey, what Ben, I have a quick question for you. Yes. I'm just uh, I'm just super curious. So I love the idea of, like, as you said, like, 
integrating Candlekeep into the world of Kasur. Yeah. But I'm just wondering in my head, do you have an idea where Candlekeep is located? I kind of have a yeah, I, I, I was do. wondering that. I do. Let's um let's go over I'm looking at the map myself. To yeah, the world anvil or something. Yeah. yeah. Let me go to there and I'll I, I have thought about this, but let's decide this together. Here's the here's the, the criteria that we need. It has to be on the coast. Like the, the oceanic coast. Um mm -hmm. Other than that, I really don't. I mean, maybe have, near. Yeah, go ahead. I have a good intellectual argument. Yeah. Um, the, one of the best places in the history of the world to store books was Timbuktu because of the mm. airy, dry climate. Oh. Okay. So somewhere that's airy and dry. Okay. Would so be a the good place to store and a bunch of books. Driest place in. But on the coast, right? Would be south of Legdenon. Between Legdenon and Kvaloya. Oh, okay. Um, oh, it's just it's is, on its own, like its own oh, city, yeah. like in it's between. Its own city, but in Very between cool. them. We'll, we'll put it in there, and this is why the draw maps leave blanks because yep. now Candlekeep will be between Legdenon and Kvaloya on the coast. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I feel like I can guys... see the bay that it's on right now. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. That little one in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. So that is where cool. Candlekeep is. And as you guys go north towards Legdenon, but not quite there, you know, 50 miles is not that far um, right. up that coast. Um, you guys took two days to travel from Schloss Glacier to Rinkoping. So one day up the coast from this little bay puts you about halfway back to Legdenon. Got it. All right. Yeah, that's a very good question. Establishing in Kasur where we are. Um, and so the, you know, the mountains in the distance would be the Actus Vaults and the mountains that separate Legdenon from Fulgara. And uh, the, the forests here are probably not that big, actually. On the, on the coast, it's more like farmlands and windswept grasslands. Right, and now in the meantime, I'm gonna just refresh myself on all these monkey things. Yeah, can. now now the actual like mechanics of the character are gonna come into yeah. play, which is gonna be fun. Holy I'm gonna, shit. I'll be right back. I just got you guys on the other map. I'm gonna drag oh, you over yeah. there in a minute. No um, worries. I have to do a little bit of quick reading here. It's been. Cool. I do love monks. I'm quite familiar, but I haven't played awesome. a four elements. So yeah, I've never seen or like yeah, I've never had any experience with one. The class description always seemed so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're honest. Honestly, I mean, like like meta wise, they're kind of meh. But I love the flavor of like trying to build this one into the. I wanted to create yeah. a character like Karzalek was something I, I love just as like mm -hmm. a character in my head. But I really wanted to try and make a character that I wanted to like really be intrinsic to the world of Kazor. And uh, it's, you picked a good uh, topic for Heck that. Yeah, super cool, dude. Bobble, hold on, wait. What's Bobble's <laughs> last name? I gotta pull that up. Waggle Topple. Waggle Topple, dude. That is. <laughs> That, that halfling, right? Yeah, halfling. That, man, that is as halfling as halfling gets. I absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that Waggletop was in the random halfling name generator. I was like, how do I we make it extra? Dude, Bobble Waggletopple. That's like, yeah. ah. That, 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 I mean, that to me, that doesn't even sound, that sounds really appropriate. Like, it feels it appropriate, yeah. It flows, Bobble Waggletopple. Like, this person is such a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just such a it. such a little doofus. I love it. Yeah. 
They also have this fun little uh, little doohickey that that will that might come into handy. It later. might come into handy actually sooner than you think. I think I know yeah. what you're talking about. Um, um, okay, and we're back. I imagine like the the night that we stayed like on the thing, we probably just like shared what we're at Candlekeep for. I probably Absolutely. told you about the uh, Abraxas Paraxis. Yeah, the, the incredible ancient man or woman or person or dragon something that uh, unknown with the incredible with the incredible sword and stuff. Yeah, right. And then and Tunji shared about his never-ending philosophical quest for enlightenment through understanding Kasur and the primal cold that envelops the world. I get the feeling our dudes pretty much share their stories. Had a few couple like raised eyebrows, <laughs> but ultimately realized, oh, this this person's cool. Like they're yeah. They, they got some interesting views and stuff, but, yeah. but they're a real one. You guys are like, I think, on a core level, actually a little similar. Um, you are both thirsty for knowledge and passionate about what you know, you know? Exactly. Are for curious sure. about the origins and the past of this world. Good team. All right. So, as the coastal mist clears, you get your first good look at the Gripply Trading Post. Ramshackle shelters are clustered around a large permanent building. The low rumble of many voices, softly croaking, can be heard as your ship, little tender that you took from the big one, pulls up the dock. Gripply, frog people bearing weapons are waiting to meet its passengers. And I imagine you step off the boat. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I pull out as, as we're, like, so they're, like, brandishing weapons at the shore? They're, like, holding spears with the pointy end sticking up, you know? But they're, they're, okay. like, they're greeting you with weapon-armed people, but they're not, mm -hmm. like, pointing them at you. Okay. The web, the, the spears are just on, sorry, I just want to make sure yeah, yeah. to... Let's get the right get image. Things yeah. right. Um... Their, their spears are just pointed upwards with, like, the they're, base on the ground? Exactly. They're okay, sentries cool. standing at the dock. You know, like, you, as you pull up, you see that they, like, send a couple over. But it seems like just a greeting party, you know? There were cool. people with spears, halberds at Candlekeep doing the same thing. Um, gotcha. Waiting around, okay. you know, in case something happened. Gotcha. All right. Other That's than it, that, thanks. there's one central structure that seems beyond this dock. And then dozens of utilitarian, simple-looking dwellings, but they don't look, like, badly constructed or anything. They're just, you know, maybe put up in a hurry. So, yeah. Okay. I imagine Tunji with very clearly unarmed, except the staff hanging off his back, would probably flag down the closest Gripply in this shore party. Mm -hmm. Hello! We are from Candlekeep. We've spoken with Magister Pelk. We understand that there is there's something amiss here in the village. We're here to help. Um, the Gripply that you address is tall, stands up pretty straight for like what you imagined a frog person to look like. Um, and they look at you and they sort of cock their head and they go, What? 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 Oh. <clears throat> Hold on a second. I got this. Um, I... Uh, reach into my backpack and I pull out this weird little, um, this weird, 
uh, mechanical box thing that has like a strange horn on one side and another horn on the other side. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, uh, what? What should I say to them? Tell them we're from Candlekeep and we're he- we're here to assist. Okay. Right. 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 Of course. Um. Hey. Uh. L- hello, Gripplies. We are from Candlekeep, and we're here because you guys stopped sending food. I mean, um, because you guys, um, we're here to help you guys out. Uh, and and Miter Jans, who has accompanied you on this boat ride, sort of chuckles a little bit and then says in this very inhuman-sounding tone, like, and uh, does your device also help you perceive what he says um yes okay so you can hear now that you sort of like tuned it or whatever to the frequency Mm -hmm. that you need to for for this language here Mm -hmm. um you can tell that he says in this language just like coming out of the static and now it's crystal clear um forgive my friends we are here only to check on your welfare how goes it oh that's so cool um, and you kind of notice that it looks like Miter Jan, so he's just a human, speaks gripply. Well done, Miter Jans. But now you can okay. also understand it. Uh, does it translate it for Tunji as well, or is it? Um, you know, this is uh, the homebrew thing, so sure. we're really discovering that now. So I will put it in the chat, and I'm not yeah. sure, like how we want this all to work so it's like you have created discovered or unlocked technology or an ability that allows you to communicate with any creature that has intelligence of at least four and within a number of feet equal to your intelligence modifier i like the idea that maybe it wouldn't be available for a level one character to use this Mm. for for everybody but maybe by the time you're level six um there's a feature that like at higher levels um Mm -hmm. you can enable multiple creatures equal to like your level plus your Casting well, there's like or something. first level uh, mind link yeah. and telepathic exactly. abilities. Exactly. So. And this gives you like a passive, like mm-hmm. any number so, of creatures can basically yeah. communicate through this device. It's a universal translator. Um, yeah, but the way that I was thinking of it is that it only works for the the one person, so I can't. Sure. So it only goes through me. So it's like it's like a the way that it's skinned for this specialist is yeah. that. It's a magical device that I'm attuned to sure. always, basically. That makes sense. So yeah, I, I like that. I, yeah. And I only it, it I can sense. hear it and speak into it and stuff. Okay. So, um, that's, so that that's way fine it's not you want to too, retain it that way. Um, I don't know. I don't really. It's whatever. Well, well, we'll leave that on the table then for now. I think you can understand what Miter is saying, um, and perhaps for now Tunji cannot. It's it's all happening very quickly, and. Yep. Um, but, but Miter says then again, in gestures and very clear body language, the two of you, let us proceed to the pond mother's domain. Uh, and the gripply nod and sort of just like motion the rest of you along down this pier towards this big structure, the one central structure. Let's go. All right. So I got it. I'm just like holding up the horn to my ear while uh-huh. that while that's happening, and I'm like quietly translating to uh, Tunji. Got it. <laughs> okay, perfect. We can just say that you are translating. You know, like uh, conversations that are being translated just take longer, but they are still conversations. Um, For sure. Okay, so cool. 
they um they basically motion you down towards this large structure and you eventually walk in and you enter and inside um you notice there's just lots of gripply lots of these frog people and they look like some of them injured um Included among the frog people, you notice, are some humanoids of a different sort. They look, for all intents and purposes, to be human. Uh, but something about their skin is a little bit different. It seems like some of them have scaly patches. Some of them have uh, slightly different looking teeth. Some of their eyes look a little bit different. It's not totally uniform. But about four or five of these uh, humans, human-looking things walk by you. Uh, and sort of like take their place at the back of the room, making room for you as all these refugees inside this big mud brick building uh, make way for you. Uh, they also look injured and like they're just among the mass here. And at the back, sitting in a pond, a small pond inside this great building, is a hulking, colossal frog person. And she's basically wallowing in the mud there. And uh, Miter walks up and bows deeply. I also bow. I tried third that motion. Okay. So the three of you bow. And the pond mother speaks to you. Um, and... Miter seems like he can understand it, and you can translate for Tunji. But essentially, she relays to you the following. There was a time where this village was prosperous. This trading post, it was a tiny place of work for them, where they would bring their meat of the crab and their other goods from the sea and trade them with the dry-skinned people of the land. And they would provide them goods that they would have never learned how to make themselves. Um, things from a different type of technology. Trade was good. They learned from the books and were even beginning to teach the Gripply how to read. But recently, a group of others came to their village and they gesture with this low croaking tone um, and say the others while gesturing at the group of humanoids with the scaly patched skin. And they said at first they were normal, welcome. They came with tales of a temple lost within the woods uphill from where the Gripply live at the old village. And they wanted to find something there, something they promised would bring the Gripply even better fortune and would help them move on from a simple existence of fighting the sea for what food they could. Uh, and they promised them to build towers as high as Candlekeep itself. They thought it was too good to be true, but the people promised them wealth and 
provided it at first, so they allowed them to do their excavation of the temple. Since then, things have changed. Darkness has descended upon the village, and it has become unlivable, is the word that you're able to translate. It doesn't quite translate yet, but unlivable is the closest English word that we have to it. Now, all the Gripply, and even some of these, and they gesture again at these dry-skinned, scaly people, we shelter here. Um, the Pond Mother beseeches you. Go. Save our village. The other scaled ones. They have endangered our brood. And she says, if you do this, you will have the eternal thanks of the Gripply. And they will do whatever they can to reward you. Seems like a pretty good deal, I think, if we're helping them out and we get these emerald keys, maybe. <laughs> but but are, we're the only two people going up there. Is is that what she's trying to tell us? I'm not saying this into my translator yeah. thing, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Miter Yans raises an eyebrow at you. But... Are you coming with us, Miter? <laughs> he shakes his head. Okay, I didn't think so, yeah. Tunji looks around at the scene and just feels he feels he feels genuinely sad for these people. He thinks out loud to Bobble and Miter. Seems we are all on our own quests, our own journeys for knowledge. It's unfortunate that these folk in their quest in seeking their own history, their own excavations should meet such misfortune. We should do what we can to help them. Definitely. That's what we're here for. All right. Okay. Um, what time of day is it? It's about midday. Okay. I would say, you know, noon. So basically she just said that we should go to this temple? The old village is where the temple was that these scaled ones wanted to excavate. Um, the village itself, she, she makes a distinction to you, our, our village, we do not reside there anymore. We reside here now at the trading post. If you cannot reclaim the temple and oust these evil ones from there, perhaps at least you can liberate the village and save our brood? She's basically pleading with you in, you know, the language that she is allowed to uh, without appearing weak in front of her congregation here. Well, Sounds like I'm... it's time to go whoop some scaled one ass. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, should we do this during the daytime? I, I like, uh, turn to her um, and speak through my device and be like, um, we... We're here to help you and your village, and we'll do anything we can. Um, is there anything that we can do, or anything that you know as far as 
weaknesses or like if we should go at nighttime or daytime or anything else that you can do to help us she uh, tells you, make this happen? She tells you very plainly in a few words, time is of the essence. It must happen as soon as you are able. Our babies uh, I... are in danger. Well, uh, sounds like I yeah, translating that I'm like, yeah, it sounds like uh, we should probably get going. Uh, and Miter Miter says quietly to you in in common, I know the way. I've been there before. I can get you right outside. Sounds good to me. My livelihood's on the line here too, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um. Uh, I don't know. I didn't say it at all or anything. Um, so I'm going to, um, give him, I don't have, I, I guess I had my gold with me. I'm going to give him my 750 gold right now and be like, here, uh, you hold on to this. And this is a, consider it a promise or a deposit. On a, uh, we'll, we'll come get you. Or, or a retirement plan, I guess, if we don't come back. <laughs> and he laughs kind of nervously. Like, I appreciate it. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Trust me, I'll put it in my safe box, in the captain's Sounds cabin. perfect. All right. Let's go check this place out. Anything you want to leave on the boat, safe with us. We, we do have a few Marines on board that should keep us safe from anything out there, and we'll stay just offshore. And then I guess we see you guys hop on the boat. And the Gripply see you off to first your rowboat, that heads down the river, back to the mouth of the river at the seashore. And you probably help Miter row out and, and steer the little rudder at the back of this boat towards the ship, where then they throw a line down to you, and you climb up the side of the boat, and you get back on this great ship and head only a couple of miles up north along the shore. And then you see in the distance, the gently broken shoreline that usually is pretty mild uh, rises in a, a steep formation of rocks. And he points it out to you at the side of the ship. That's the place. Excellent. Um... Well, you said you got a couple uh, marines to like protect the boat. Maybe, maybe you want to send one of them with us. Maybe they'll help uh, save your livelihood too, right? And he he looks like he's deliberating over this. Like I've considered sending my own men, but these men didn't sign up for fighting on land. Uh, they're just, they're just guards paid to keep the ship safe. I, yeah, they're not real adventurers, and I pat the palm, pommel of my right. sword. <laughs> no, I mean, Candlekeep sees all kinds, and I'm glad, glad that the avowed found you. Uh, I, I, trust me, if I had a, a capable fighter to send with you, that I didn't think I'd be... Telling his widow what happened, I'd, I'd do it, but... Yeah, say no more, Captain. 
We'll take care of him. <laughs> All right. Right, Tunji? <laughs> right. As as he near the shoreline, just for a little extra flavor, uh, Tunji definitely points to wherever uh, Bobble's kind of keeping that communication device stored and mm -hmm. just says, for that, that's quite an amazing language the speaking device you have there. I sure hope to see more of these phenomenal contraptions on this little journey of ours. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be very excited about that as well. Yes, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> awesome. Now I'm getting excited. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> That's great. Okay, and over the next 30 minutes, 40 minutes, you guys have a strong headwind behind you, and you make great time going up the coast. Um, you, you're able to reach it within an hour, and I'm going to show you guys what you see in the harbor of the Gripply. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. So okay. there okay. are let me see if I can find the right uh, right description here. There we go. Columns of stone with platforms built around them, connected by rickety looking gangways that touch the sea or disappear beneath the frothing waves themselves are arrayed before you in the Gripply Harbor. In the distance, you can see the marshy shore. Dark shapes move under the surface, and flashes of red carapace occasionally draw the eye. This is not a safe place. The captain offers you a tender on one of those little boats to get up to the shore. What do you do? Any final preparations? Hmm, anything we can do to prep? Um, no, I don't cast spells. <laughs> I think just put on a fresh pair of underwear and uh, <laughs> get ready to go, yeah? When you say the shore, you mean a way to like bypass all of these gangplanks? Um, and... You could try to bypass them, but on either side, the north it and south, south, is steep, deep, slippery looking rocks. Um, mm. And like they have this sheltered bay here where these gangways are, yeah. um, and beyond that is the village. It's not impossible to go around. You could, yeah. hell, you could have walked here, but it would have been days. And yeah. this is the it's fast the way essence. to get in. Time is of the essence. The yeah. young ones are a danger right now. Not the young ones. The younglings. It's always about the young ones, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to the save future. the young ones. Yep. We go okay. The children. We got to save them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say we, I say we take the boat in and we we try to get onto the most accessible gangway here. Okay. Which so you guys can see the map, compromise. correct? Yes. Which one of the gangways would you like to start at? I'll move you back. Each one of these squares you see on the map is a hundred feet. Oh. Wow. It the might little be. dashy lines are the gangways. Oh, I see. Okay, that's water. That's marsh. That's land. Understood. Yeah. Hold on. Ah, for some reason that didn't work. So there's. I think I just Bobble. decided Bobble's middle name is Marble. <laughs> Bobble, yeah, Marble. Yes. Marble. <laughs> oh boy. 
Bobble Marble Waggle Bobble. Okay. Oh boy. So pick one of the extending farthest gangways, and you can start from literally any one of them. I'm gonna also reveal to you down at the bottom of the map here. Um, there's a thing five miles to trading post, so you have an orientation of where you came from. I right. See. Where do hmm? Well, where do you think a uh, bobble would find it best to land? Yeah, I I feel like I'm trying to see the safest or um most stealthy route, right? Okay, most stealthy route. I mean, uh, roll me a perception check. It'd be my pleasure. Did you want that's both? Just if that's also your goal too, yeah, go ahead. Roll me. That's a fourteen check. plus eight is twenty-two. Ooh, yeah, twenty-two. And, and that's Jesse? 18 from Tunji. 18. Okay. So you're both able to see that, you know, there's uh, the center probably has the most chance of attracting the largest amount of attention. And you understand pretty quickly by waiting, just just as a second you get into the boat and you and you look out across and you see a fish jump into the air and a crab claw go snap and grab it. And um, it's clear what the danger is here. Damn. Uh, these crabs are larger than uh, ones that we might find in our world. Yo, if we take these crabs back, then they probably don't need, like, <laughs> we got a good supply of shellfish right here. These are huge. Or you <laughs> could uh, you could estimate that that's how they're able to supply the town with oh, all crab meat is that this is where the food comes from dang um so <laughs> let's see so we deduced that like over the center is the the, the most possible crabs right it's the mm -hmm. center is uh, the, like you're gonna be surrounded here? on all sides mm -hmm. right that that right there is gonna be crab the village. least uh forgiving should you fail stealthing right because you're surrounded yeah. on all sides but and you also the, think is, like this is steep. oh sorry yeah yeah this is steep over here the shoreline it looks like yeah. there's a breakwater um and yeah. the the sort of like uh, gangways and catwalks move into a protected bay surrounded by rocks and marshland so like you if you went to the far side you might have uh, less crabs because it's deeper water and it's farther away from the shallow tide pools here. But, um, you know, it, it's sort of like it, looking at this and trying to find a direct way through is very difficult. The the gangways snake back and forth and it's, it's sort of just like take your chances with one way and see what happens is the best estimate you can make. I would imagine that Bobble and Tunji would, they both seem like pretty observant folk i'd imagine they would kind of sail around the perimeter mm -hmm. and you know ideally it's probably somewhere over here and maybe then taking one of these furthest gangways in it also looks okay. i mean counting squares it is also closer to this entry sure. point. so on the far north side the far there north. does that's that's where you think is the and i think with your perception rolls like as players and as characters you should be able to pretty much do this as tactically as you want um you're not missing i gonna tell you you're not missing any information here there's crabs there's walkways. It's a long distance to go, several hundred feet, but you know, you got to get in there. Okay. So, top of the map here. I think that's the move. Yeah. 
Okay. Let's do it. I'll move you up there. And the one on the right or the one on the left? It's up to you. Doesn't matter to me. Here? Um, let's stick with this one. That one? On, yeah. on the outside? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. exactly. That makes it. We kind of just sailed in and landed on that one. And yeah. I'm putting you guys in in the same square with two tokens, basically. Cool. Because it is 100 and feet. So we tie the boat to the, what are they called? Gangplanks? Yeah, gang gangplanks, okay. gangways. It's okay. just like, um, you know, two boards across in most spots with these stone, like natural looking, but also sometimes mm -hmm. stacked stone pillars. Mm -hmm. Like, this looks like it's been here forever. For sure. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, so I tie the uh, the boat to the thing and be like, all right, okay. let's, should we uh, hop up and get moving? Let's go. Should we both go together or one one of us go first? How about you go first? You're probably faster. <laughs> okay, let's do You're it. Pretty graceful. All right. All right. Thank you. So <laughs> the two of you start walking across these gangplanks as you hoist yourselves up onto the walkway. Yes. I would like you each to make me a stealth check. Yes. Oof, that's a seven. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and spend a specialty die to make my stealth a little bit better. Maybe you're like, um, I hey, rolled, be, be quiet. I rolled, <laughs> I rolled an eleven <laughs> plus three plus three is seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, okay. And I expend one die. All right. And you guys go creaking down the. Uh, I'm gonna move you. I mean, actually, you guys can control your tokens, right? Right. So you can move one square diagonally if you'd like. Um, so that one right there, down that diagonal gangway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, Twinji's ahead of me, though. Sure, but I mean, so. you guys are both going to be uh, right. uh, mechanically here. You're each going to be right, within yeah. this 100 feet square. Um, okay. Gotcha. So I'll move you here. Okay. So you you make it to this intersection where. Three different gangways come together, and you're a little bit closer to the interior. And as long as the plan here is for you guys to be stealthing through this, that's the plan still? Yes. Then I need so, you to yeah. make me another stealth check for the next 100 feet. Oh, boy. All right. Do it. As as we keep, like, tiptoeing on these gangways, I, like, look back at the boat and, like, start to think, like, should we have just landed on the shore? Um, <laughs> it's I not too late to change. <laughs> Uh, it's not. I roll a 17. Uh, I told you rolled a 15. Okay. Um, again, you make your way through this, uh, this large, uh, network of gangplanks here, and you see occasionally a dark shape moving under the water, but that's as far as you see. And Ooh. you move another 100 feet. Go ahead and move yourselves another 100 feet. Okay. Make me another pair of stealth checks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. We're so yeah. far away. <laughs> you're, you're, you're 
hundreds and hundreds of feet away from That's making it. There. That's uh, okay. That's an 18. That's an eight. An eight and an 18. Okay. Go ahead and move yourselves another 100 feet. We're balancing each other out. We're holding. It's like if one guy kind of loses balance, like, yeah. I got you, got you, got you. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you're like, shh, no, just slow down. <laughs> We're, we'll be fine. Oh. We'll just get there. And you hear the wind sort of whipping now across the uh, the water here, and the surf kind of gets a little bit tossed up a little bit more. Um, I whispered to Tunji, like, do you think we should run for it at some point? As we keep stealthing forward, right? If the situation calls for it, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, another stealth check, I guess? Uh, if the plan is to continue stealthing through here, then yes, I need another stealth check. The oh, wait, should we have gone the other way? <laughs> Shit. No, it's oh. not too late to oh. go that way. It's it's really, so like you're okay. at this intersection of three <laughs> gangways. Right, yeah. And there is one that goes to the uh, inland, to the, uh, on, on our map here, it's to the uh, to the east. But I guess really it, it, in our world, it would be to the west. It's a whole other thing. So inland. Uh, there's another gangway that goes inland, and there's one that goes back out to sea. They both make a box and come back to the same okay. intersection. It, yeah, I like to say that we're kind of at this little intersection right here. Like, sure, it's, you know, sure. It's kind of yeah, the corner of that square. That way. So yeah, let's definitely shoot for there. All right, okay. stealth check. Uh, <laughs> we're rolling so many stealth checks. Oh, that's You're rolling a, a lot of stealth checks. That's a seven for and a 19. Yet again you're able to move yourself 100 feet and you see one time a small crab kind of like skitter up the side of one of these uh, pillars and then a claw comes up and just gently crunch and brings it down and you guys just keep walking. Like, oh, they're cannibals oh, no. too. Oh no, yeah, they just... Crabs are actually kind of horrifying creatures. Side tangent, crabs have independently evolved from multiple different creatures many times in Earth's what? history. Like, what? Yeah, crabs don't all have the same ancestry from the same common ancestor. The form of the crab might just be the apex form of life because everything can evolve into crab. Everything is um, crab. Everything oh. could be crab. There's a crab inside of each of you. There's two crabs in, in you. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay. I guess I know who the big bad evil guy is now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If everyone's so, a crab, and that's what Everyone's a crab. Their evil plan is to turn everyone into crabs faster. <laughs> you nailed it. Nailed Find it. Their, um, achieve their final beautiful form. I need another <laughs> stealth check from each of you. We're getting there. This is, this yeah. is, I'm going to reveal as this continues here and reveal to you the name of this portion of the adventure. It's the crab maze. Nice. That's likelihood, a 13. The likelihood of us rolling a natural one on the amount of stealth checks we're going to have to roll is so high. Oh, it is. It oh, is, man. It is. So it's a 13 from Tungi. And a 21. From, oh, uh, yep. Our, move our, you guys uh, another 100 feet. You're, you're just creaking your way down the board. To me. Does, does that move us here or? Uh, it's up to you. You can move just like normal D&D movement. You can okay. move one square at a time here, diagonal okay. or laterally adjacent. or horizontal. Okay. Yeah, adjacent. Exactly. Let's definitely take that short route. We got okay. This. Oh, shit. We can, we're so close, dude. We're so you close. You are. Let's count how many, how, if you were to travel, like. I feel like here, we're like halfway, one, maybe. Two. Three outside the breakwater, like three squares away outside the breakwater. 
So it's three more stealth checks for you. Come on, we're, see we're seasoned adventurers. We got yeah. this. Give me another stealth check as you guys Heck continue yeah. here. That's another that's, 13. That's a four plus three is seven. I'm going to use a specialty die again. Well, seven. We've gotten seven before. No, but we. Uh, I've rolled. Well, I rolled two. So, I rolled two sevens before. But we balanced it up with I'll better high ones. I'm gonna tell you guys uh -huh. this because you've gotten this far. Uh -huh. Every time one of you like creaks a little bit or slips up a little bit, it doesn't seem like it. It triggers it. It seems like it would require you guys together being loud to uh, to trigger this. So okay. maybe it's a cumulative check. Okay, I will. Yeah, you. I will you trust in our I teamwork. You or not, but I haven't. I haven't told you what happens yet from that check. Uh, no, I'll hold it because yeah, he he still didn't do too bad. So, and to reiterate, that's a thirteen and a seven total. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Are you guys, another one hundred feet down the gangplank. We'll go. Okay. We got this. We we totally got this. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what to do now. <laughs> Another stealth check. Yep. Another stealth check. Ooh, that's a ten. I feel like I should roll a different die. Um, but that's <laughs> that's an eleven plus three is uh thir fourteen. Another hundred feet. Creek, 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 creek. You know what? Way. I say we actually move to the end of this pier and we just be cocky. We just dive in and swim. <laughs> I, water. No, I, I just like, push doing... you in. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. We're doing so good. We're doing so good. Ha <laughs> uh -huh. uh, okay. Stealth swim. <laughs> so you now, okay, now after all that very crunchy stealth checks there, you're standing about 150 feet away from a new landmark. Um, there's great rocks are rising up, and there looks like there's like debris, like riprap of rocks um, scattered in this great breakwater that separates a Salish solution pond from the wave-strewn crab maze out here. And the gangway goes over that, that riprap jetty, if you would. So, Doesn't seem out of the ordinary. Keep all the keep all the crud yeah. out, you know. Make yeah. sure to keep an eye out for anything unusual. Um, okay. Or suspicious. Make me a perception check, each of you. That's a nat twenty. Mm -hmm. Ooh boy! Nat twenty for twenty-three. And I got let's see, uh, sixteen plus eight is twenty-four. Ow, twenty-three and twenty-four. Okay, so you guys are standing at this platform, this intersection of two of the walkways. And as you've moved past, you know, you've been concentrating on being stealthy, but now you sort of notice, like, you're taking in your surroundings a little bit more, and each intersection of these walkways is seemingly a little bit higher up than the rest of the walkways. And you notice that, like, there are little crabs crawling on the high parts of each of these walkways but the lower parts you see a crab crawl down there and immediately big claw reaches out and grabs it and brings it down um so it seems like maybe these elevated intersections might be a little bit safer as well you see past the breakwater and there are some docks standing in the mist looking completely abandoned. Beyond that, 
you see small mud brick dwellings and they are sort of scattered through this marshy terrain. It's a little bit elevated above the, the sea level and river water, but um, the mouth of the river here that, that opens up past these rocks towards the crabs, um, you, you get a good picture of it. The village, the pond, the breakwater, the crab maze. All right. Well, I say we stick to those those high gangways and preserve our ankles from getting snipped. Yeah. I just I, every intersection, there's like a raised platform, basically. So go ahead. If you want to make me another stealth check, you're almost past the breakwater. We got this. We got this. That is a nat one. <laughs> <laughs> that is a crit fail. <laughs> okay, so that's a five total, though. Five. So. And a 12. 12. Okay. Should I expend my specialty die? Nah. Nah. We're almost there. We're, we're fine. We're almost we there. What's the worst this? that could happen? Yeah. Big giant crab monster. Yeah. All right. You guys make your way down. Uh, we move 100 feet. Move 100 feet. Go ahead and move 100 feet. You guys are making your way down the, uh, the gangway here. When... Tunji steps on a board, and it doesn't just creak, it snaps. Crack! And some wood detritus goes falling into the water and splooshes loudly. And suddenly, climbing up onto the lower parts of the gangplanks from multiple sides are multiple giant crabs. Roll me initiative. Oh no, Peak <laughs> Pinnacle Evolution is here! <laughs> I need to roll for how many crabs? Oh, that's a 19. Okay. Hold your Should initiative. Should you immediately recognize you fucked oh, up? He's like, I gotta sure. get ready to fight. I rolled a bonkers initiative. Um, that's 36. a 20, 25. Oh, damn. <laughs> Looks like crab meat's on the menu again, boys. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope their carapaces aren't too hard to break. Did not have any of my weapons out for sure. So, Bobble's packing a <laughs> sword and a crossbow? A sword and a crossbow, yeah. And a light Wait, hammer. And a light Oh, man. Packing heat. Yeah. <laughs> the sword is huge. And, like, yeah, Bobble's not strong. But somehow, like, they're just whipping this sword around, like, just by their <laughs> sheer wit. I love it. love it. You know how to use it. Exactly. You know how to okay. use a weapon. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get you guys over on this map, just still preparing it a little bit. You call that a sword? That's not a sword. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> just realizing that Bobble has a lot of tr trouble pulling the longsword out of the scabbard because it's, it's so physics. long. <laughs> and long and it's like unwieldy to get out. <laughs> maybe, maybe he has to like unhook it from his belt and pull the sheath off and just like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's a, The belt is a little loose on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Okay, hold on. I'm Ridiculous. There. I'm drawing Man. stuff right now on this map. So stupid. You know, the, the irony is if, if Tunji dies at any point during this segment, Cars technically becomes my backup character. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay. 
Um, there's that. There's that. I won't let you die. <laughs> Dude, you have I'm... saved me already from the brink of death. From one, from one fail away, you have saved me. Hell yeah. I, 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 I'm counting on you. That was so close. That was so epic. Almost there. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, almost there. Put not, I'm drawing peers on stuff right now because this, this doesn't come with an encounter map for this. Um, there's that. All good. No Making rush. A crap no rush. token. Crab uh, token. Reviewing all my possible combat options. Yeah, it takes a second to study your character sheet. Oh, right. New level six it's character. Like, yeah, it's like, I, I I know I can punch things, but now there's so many ways to punch them. It's so like, many damn. Ways. Like, damn. <laughs> so oh, many man. flavors of punches. Yeah, right. holy crap. And like all these like in, in elemental punch. things. Damn. <laughs> like, I mean, a water whip would be kind of appropriate seeing as we're standing on top of docks. Oh, shit. Great. Okay. I'm gonna move you guys over, and here we go. Uh, uh, let's go. Can you see stuff? Oh yes, boy, sir. yep. Yep. That's a right. Oh my god. That's oh my crabs. <laughs> oh damn, that's a lot of crabs. That's okay. A lot of crabs. Initiative. Um, I don't have a pencil or anything. Hold on. Okay. Bobble waggle topple with wait bobble marble waggle waggle topple with twenty five. <laughs> Okay, wow. Okay. Tunji with a 19. Wow. Nice. Okay. And I'm going to roll for the crabs. Bobble is very on edge. Bobble, Marble, Waggle Topple is pinnacle <laughs> halfling name, too, right? I just gotta say, that is like okay, really. So they really went oh, you know for what? it. Actually, they got a fucking 20. So oh, okay. Shit. Okay. These crabs boys. are hungry. Crabs <laughs> are hungry. It's been a while hungry since I've seen uh, <laughs> I know. Okay. So, first in the order in our oh, weird one-off combat, Bobble, Marble, Waggle, Topple. <laughs> okay. So, Bobble will uh, do the thing where uh, they pull out their longsword very awkwardly, <laughs> pulls it out, wields it. It's like a little off balance, but eventually uh, they get it to balance correctly. Um, let's see. There's multiple crabs near me. Um, I think if I step backwards... There you go. Now it represents your character. I'll try to fix yep. that. But go ahead and tell me. That's all good. Start again. And tell me what you yeah. do. So um, I will, yeah, pull out my longsword, uh, step back towards this crab that I see emerging, and be like, ha, take this, you shelfy, shel shellfish guy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> try to hit him with my longsword. Okay. Give me that attack Ooh. roll. Heck yeah, that's a 17 naturally. Nice. Okay. A 17 uh, against this giant crab is going to be a hit. Yeah. Cool. Um, Longsword does a D8. And I get to add my intelligence modifier because I'm a freaking nerd. Um, <laughs> five plus four is nine points of slashing damage to this nine crab. Slashing damage. Ka-shing! And the crab does not look good, but it is not dead. Fabulous. Okay. Um, with my bonus action, I would like to... Um, I can use my guileful action to disengage, <laughs> I guess. No, okay. wait. That's not the okay. move. No, it's yeah. I will... It's like yeah. five feet below you and you're able to strike at it, but it's like climbing up the thing right now. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also put uh, colors on each of these crabs so we can oh, tell them apart. Call. Red crab, blue crab, green crab, etc. Um, hmm, I suppose I should study it 
Um, so yeah, it needs to make a deception check, basically, or just a charisma <laughs> like, check against. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna like look it up and down and try to analyze its defenses and stuff. Say, uh, let's see this modifier here. Uh, how does a a one do? Uh, not very well against uh, like yeah. what, twenty five. <laughs> so a five, and it has a minus four to charisma. So go ahead. <laughs> awesome. So that means it has disadvantage on attack rolls against me. Very nice. Um, okay. So I will retreat now. <laughs> as, okay. Uh, okay. It makes its attack roll against yeah. you as an attack opportunity. Yeah, um, with disadvantage. You really needed that disadvantage because there one of them was a twenty. Yeah. Um, oh. The other one, however, what's your AC? Uh, it's not incredible. It's fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. That's gonna be a hit. Oof. Um, and it's gonna do. Okay. Seven bludgeoning damage to you, and you do not move to that square as you are oh, grappled no! by the crab claw. Oh shit! I, I just shout to Tunji, "It got me!" <laughs> They're pinchy boys. And here, we see you like it's by, it's like by the back of your uh, clothing. It like scrapes the back of your your flesh, but you're like That's held awesome. in place by your clothes there. Okay, great. Next in the order, cool. are the crabs. Oh no! Shit. Okay, crabs. Red crab is going to claw again. Disadvantage. Um, disadvantage. Thank you. Uh, that's a miss from red crab. Then orange crab is going to move up the the dock here, up the the gangway, and attack Tungji. Tungji, what is your armor class? 17. A miss on that attack. Another crab going to skitter its way up. Purple crab. I'm going to throw my dice across the room. Hold on. There it is. Uh, attack number one. Or attack roll number one. Eh. Wow. I have rolled 15 and then seven a couple of times in a row here. It's pretty weird. Um, dice checked. Yeah. So this, that purple crab also misses. Or wait, does it not have disadvantage? Am I crazy? Only only the one uh, has disadvantage on me. Rewind there. I don't know why I was rolling these ones at disadvantage. Okay. Uh, I so, infected you. <laughs> you infected my brain. So <laughs> both of those, purple crab and orange crab, come sidling up to Tunji, and both of them land hits. Yikes. <laughs> um, All right. And that is... Wow, five on the D6 both times. That's a total of 12 damage, and you are grappled by these crabs. Um, All right. <laughs> green crab and blue crab still need to go. Green crab is going to move up. Blue crab is going to move up. Oh, gosh. Towards me. And uh, disadvantage on only the red crab, correct? Only the red crab, yep. I can only study Your one thing at a time. Armor class? Is 15. Those are two hits. Um, things don't go. even have good attack bonuses. So, okay. That 15 was enough. Is seven additional points of damage to you. Bludgeoning if it matters to you guys. Nope, not to me. Okay. And that's the crab's turn. There was only seven up. for both of those attacks? Total for both of them is seven damage. Dang, that's nice. Yep. Cool. Okay, Fabulous. now 
it's Tunji's turn. You are held well, in the claws of not one, but two crabs. They're pulling you in different directions. Oh, baby. All right. Got to try to break these holds. Um, Tunji will, he's going to start swinging, starting with purple crab. So that's, we're going to start with an unarmed strike. Let's see. That's a nat 20. Oh, nice. That'll okay, hit. I'll pull a trick card. Crit card, critical hit. Crit card, crit card. Crit him. And this is a lot of enemies for two of us. This is a lot of enemies, but this is a uh, a one-off adventure, so we'll see yeah, what happens. Exactly. So, uh, what kind of damage are you doing? Bludgeoning. Bludgeoning yeah. damage. Um, Fist damage. Fist damage. <laughs> The, the, the crit name here punching is... these shells. Yeah, you, punch, you punch this one with like a lower cut into its abdomen. Yeah. And the, the crit's name is Gut Punch. Double damage. So on on crit cards, like... You just uh, uppercut this crab. Yeah. We'll boom. So, so on crit cards, we've gotten them wrong sometimes. But we're going to get this one right here. So normal crits are double damage, right? This one says double damage, which means quadruple damage. Holy shit. Okay. That's the one right. trees pulled. Yep. That's the one the trees pulled. That was so epic. Roll your damage. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try something real quick on yep. Arms Free Ground. If I click this thing, if it rolls damage or if it just rolls the attack. Click the monk second. unarmed strike. Yep. That's uh, okay, a way to make it so it will automatically. Yeah. yeah. I actually intentionally deactivated that. Okay. Just oh, I wanted okay. to practice um punching in some of the commands right, just cool, so more cool. fluid. So I'm just I'm just do this manually real quick. One yeah. isn't it? So Yeah, I don't know how to roll seven. the damage. Seven, nice. Okay. And then so Separately. times four twenty eight. Okay. <laughs> and which crab was this? Purple crab. So you turn to purple crab. And like what does it look like as I imagine like is it is it magical or are you just that tough? Like are you <laughs> Is there a little bit of like <laughs> magic behind your fist, or is it like a like a kung fu movie where it's like any supernatural stuff? You don't see it. You just it's like supernaturally strong. You tell you tell well, me what was. While Tunji definitely has access to some of these phenomenal elemental powers of Kazur, mm -hmm. this one, this crab, I'm imagining it has like his left arm in a pinch, mm -hmm. and the other crab maybe has like his right calf in a pinch, but he sure. uses. He uses the tension of the purple crab holding his arm to kind of like resist against it and then just swing forward and just plow as hard <laughs> as he can into this thing. Okay. Like, oh, you want to pull me? Awesome. Here, I'll go with you. Yeah, you go with him and then splinter its carapace into hundreds of pieces as it dies immediately. Awesome. <laughs> oh, um, boy. Okay. And I had a question. So with extra attack, does that only apply, though, towards the one opponent you initiated the attack nope, action you can, against? You can make, you can, with your attack action, if your first target falls, you can make a second attack against a separate target as long as you're within range. Okay. We're gonna take a swing at Brown Crab. Okay. Brown Crab. Here we go. Unarmed strike. That is a 15. Uh, 15 is gonna do it exactly. Go ahead and do damage. Right. Let's do this. That's a seven, and I will burn a key point for okay. the flurry of blows for uh, two more unarmed strikes. Two more, okay. Oh wait, so you can just do more attacks now? Um, yeah, so flurry of blows is- Okay, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So after you take the attack, he already action, gets to attack as a bonus action, and then flurry of blows, you get to attack twice as a bonus action. Very cool. Okay, so sure. go ahead and make that second attack or the third attack, I guess then. All right, two unarmed strikes. Here's the first unarmed strike. That is a 23. Yeah, that's gonna be a hit. And the second strike is, is another nat 20. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I will pull the crit card because it might affect like other stuff, but you definitely kill this crab. Okay, uh, all right, that works. So the crit card says, cutting blow, maximum damage, and the target must make a DC 12 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the target is stunned. You clock this thing once, bop, right in the face, and it sort of goes like, and look like lists its, its view around a little bit, and its claw slackens on you, and then you just like, I think spin and kick this thing and it falls back into the water. The wow. most epic turn, dude. These crabs come up either side, <laughs> grapple you, you just deck both of them with two natural 20s. <laughs> That's oh, crazy. That incredible. And they're shakes both them off. down. Yep, and then Tunji looks you back to see. Move yeah. action, just so you know. You got a move action left. <laughs> he is going to definitely move up and pull his friend, his, his newfound friend, try to see if he can get him out of this pickle. But I think that does end all the possible actions and thus Tunji's turn. Okay. Bobbers, what do you do? Oh, watch watch for the sword. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I guess I'll take another swipe at the red one that's got me grappled. I mean, I guess all three of them got me grappled. I guess I'm exactly. grappled by four different creatures right now. Three, three. To I guess he's grabbing you too. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're being pulled apart. Go ahead. Cool. Um, cool. So yeah, I will swing this sword at the red crab, pumpernickel. That's a six plus seven is what thirteen. Uh, I'm gonna spend this. I'm gonna spend a specialty dies. Okay. All right. That'll hit now, baby. That's a eighteen. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it on red. Mm. Yes. Um, and that's a longsword is a D8 plus my intelligence. Ooh, that's a six plus intelligence is 10 points of slashing damage. A red crab falls as you slice a big gash in its face. You got two <laughs> left, you guys. Um, and they're grappling me. Grappling you. Okay. Grabbing onto um, your armor. I will, um, as a bonus action, I can give the help action. Okay. Is that the thing I want to do right now? I think that's what I want to do. Yeah, I'm going to help Tunji. I'm going to just, like, start, uh, like, shaking the crap out of the the green crab next to me to right. uh, give Tunji advantage, um, giving him the help action. Very cool. Wow. That, All right, I remember then. that. That's a cool use of help. Thank you. Um, Heck yeah, and you can do that without spending an action. Is that your? Um, as as a specialist, I, I can I, do that as a bonus right, action. Right. As long as I'm in melee with them. Right. Yeah. Very cool. So, what does that actually like look like? Are you like telling Tunji where to hit, or are you? Yeah. So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna grab the arm that is like grappling me and start pulling it. And be like, hit it like right, right where the arm meets the body. <laughs> All right. Nice. <laughs> um, That's where the delicious okay. meat is. Next in the turn order, the crabs go. Uh-oh. And they are going to each make a claw attack. Um, one of them's going to drop its grapple on you and attack Tunji. Uh-oh. That's a five. 
Oh, and a natural one. Wow. Okay, miss and a miss. And Let's that's the up, end bobble. of the crab's turn. Tunji. Tunji swinging yeah. with advantage at green crab. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is a nine. Yeah. Uh, which extra, is a natural two, right? You know, uh, yes, okay. it is. And, uh, and now, uh, extra, so, so the extra attack does not have advantage. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, the, the, the next attacks, I think you still have advantage, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, I was looking this yeah. up because I was curious. Um, when you take the help action, the creature you aid gains advantage on the next ability check it makes to perform the task you're helping. Oh, wait. Sorry, that was the out of one. Um, when you're attacking a creature within five feet of you, you faint, distract, or in some way make the allies target more effective. Mm -hmm. If your ally attacks a target before your next turn, the first attack roll is made. First attack. So okay. it's only the first oh, one. You needed Dang. that because the other one of your rolls, you got a natural two, and the other one was a natural one. one. So <laughs> you needed that advantage to not fumble there. Think, you um, know what? Oh, Shoot, you know, I just reread Flurry of Blows. I just want to clarify for combat. Mm -hmm. for, uh, for Flurry of Blows, those two extra unarmed attacks have to happen directly immediately after the attack action. So okay. if I, so mm -hmm. as written, I'm guessing I have to do the Flurry of Blows before I do the extra attack. Okay, as, I mean, okay, good uh, to know. You, you declare that you're doing it before you start your attack action. Correct. So these next two attacks are going to be Flurry of Blows. Uh, first it. one is a 16 second one is a 20. Both you only rolled one actual attack, though. You only rolled yeah, so the first the... one once. Oh, okay. You rolled it with advantage, but you only attacked once with your action. And then you're mm -hmm. doing your flurry blows now, which were 16 Correct. and 20. Yeah. So both yeah. the 16 and the 20 are hits. All right, let's roll two D. Even, uh, yeah, that's, that's, they're good hits. <laughs> Ooh. Oof. That is, is that, a uh, your... 10. Total of 10 damage from both of those strikes. Yep. And wouldn't, wouldn't it be then, 14 because plus four twice? Yes, it would be 14 because oh, each one is an individual attack. That's a big difference here. 14 damage. 14. Yep. And the difference uh, between seeing... 10 and 14 is the difference between this crab being alive or dead. And then green crab hey. falls as you, wha bam, wha bam, and you chop, you karate chop its claw <laughs> off. Okay, that's that's not the spot I was pointing at, but that works. <laughs> uh, to, I was just about to say ex excellent advice. Thank you, Bubble. <laughs> yeah, no, you excellent execution. Literally. <laughs> All right, that's uh, Tunji's turn. <laughs> Let me try okay. to take care of this one and see what Bobbers can do here. Okay, um, You're up. I'm gonna I'm gonna wobble. Wob Bobble is gonna wobble and. Uh, <laughs> A lunge with this uh, with this uh, long sword at the final crab. Ooh, that's a nineteen. Okay, that's gonna be a um, hit. Nineteen plus things, yeah. So that will hit. Is a D eight plus my intelligence is four plus four is eight. Eight points okay. of slashing damage against blue crabo. Against blue, blue crabo, the last crabo. He injured. I'm like. Uh, as I see its slash wounds, I like look it up and down and uh, analyze it. So uh, do the subject of study. So it makes a. Actually, no. I will. I will help it. I will help. Okay. Uh... Help Tunji. Yeah, I will help Tunji. Yeah. And like okay. try to orient myself in a direction so that Tunji has better access to uh, this thing's soft underbelly. Got it. Okay. 
that's my turn. Tunji, you're up after this one crab attack. We'll see what this one crab attack does. That's going to be a miss. Go ahead, Tunji. All right, let's seal this deal. Tunji's going to run up. He sees the obvious opening created, that bubble created for him. Take a swing, bada bing, bada boom. Wow. Oof. It's an advantage, though. It's a 14. Yeah. Let's see. That's a that miss. Is... Your, yeah, your fist connects with Dang. the carapace, and it just, like, crunches, but it doesn't seem like it does any real damage. All right. I will go straight to the extra attack. Okay. And... That's a 26. That'll do it. And wha-boom. I don't even care how much damage you roll. It doesn't have to be very much. And you incapacitate this crab. And I think you just sort of like kick it off of the pier here. And you are out of combat. Woo! Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm going to move you guys back over. <laughs> to the that was incredible. Well done, Tunji. Tunji. Tunji, yeah, he's going to look at the hole that his his he accidentally punched through on the gangway. He's going to kind of look back, and she's like, "I'm I'm sorry, Bubble. That was that was my mistake." <laughs> oh, I it it could have been either one of us that stepped on that on that plank. So you know, shit happens. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Yeah. All right. And so you guys are standing now. I'm going to move you up a little bit. You're standing now, like, in front of this breakwater. And um, after negotiating this maze, you, you come upon this low wall that the Gripply have constructed to keep sea creatures and detritus away from this pond, um, this lagoon, I guess, on the other side. It's made of intertwined branches, reinforced by tough vines, filled with sacks of rubble, and uh, some of them look like they're normal stones from the, the swamp and coastline. But you notice some of them also look like weathered bricks, like from some ancient construction. Uh, there's even a gate built into it that looks like it could be opened to allow the passage of small boats. It's in a closed position right now. And it's not designed to prevent entry or anything. It's not reinforced, but it just has a simple little toggle on it to open it or close it. I think Bobble toggles the toggle. Okay. Uh, and you just see the water level change slightly as it like rushes out, like it hasn't been opened in a little while, but um, nothing majorly happens. We should head in, right? Yes. It looks like there's a little bit of a little bit of a gangway kind of extending out into this lagoon. Yeah, that actually looks like it's steps that go down into oh. the lagoon. Like maybe at low tide, this place is accessible. Or if you're a frog person who wants to wade in the water, this would be the steps down into the breakwater. From here, you think you either either need to walk up onto the top of the jetty uh, of rocks and walk into the village or to swim or wade your way across the lagoon to the Gripley village. I don't know about you, but I don't really feel like getting wet. <laughs> yeah, looking looking back at the scene on the gangway, Tunji's kind of uh, doesn't want to really risk any more little aquatic misadventures. Um, okay. 
make my way up towards the oh, jetty. That's the rock. Which jetty one? Towards... The north or the south one? Um, I mean, we can see that the the north one it is right. Um, it it looks like it goes towards a, a marshy area, which looks like it would be harder to navigate. I I can see that. Um, yeah, yeah. The north okay. one would be a longer trip. You'd have to walk around yeah. the marsh. If you think the one at the south, it goes pretty much directly towards the village. You're right. Cool. Yeah. Let's yeah, take cool. it. Hop on there. Okay. Staying stealthy, keeping our heads down. Sure. Yep. Not speaking to strangers. Mm-hmm. Okay. You make your way down this jetty with no resistance. It's uneventful. As you get closer, you see that the Gripley village is set near the sea in a brackish marsh. Rising from the muck are circular, domed, mud-brick buildings the Gripley use for homes and storage facilities, you would assume. The carapaces of giant crabs and claws of giant crabs feature heavily in the architecture. You're about 50 feet from the nearest mud brick structure, and you notice that it looks abandoned. I say we go investigate to confirm that it is indeed abandoned. Okay. What does this Excuse investigation me. look like? There's a house in front of you. There's dotting in front of you. Each one of these black dots on the map. Um, Say very cautiously is... slinking and probing through the area. Yeah, poking our heads into windows that we can see while one of the others is probably keeping an eye out sure. for anything else. Okay, who wants to do the searching of the house and who wants to do the keeping on watch? We'll divide it up like that. Mm. I think... I think, I mean, call me out, but I think Bobble seemed, would be very good at searching. Sure. He seemed to have a very the, attentive. Very curious, yeah. yep. Punch is going to stand outside and be like, I'm going to punch anything that gets close to me. Exactly. No one get over here, I'm going to punch the shit out of you. Any cool crab sense. weapons in here? Yeah, here you go. <laughs> Why don't you make me an investigation check as you enter this first Gripply home? Okay. That is a, let's see, a 10 plus 10 is 20. Okay, on crab bazooka, you find um, <laughs> you find uh, a fair amount of just normal like living goods. You know, there's like wooden ladles and uh, a place that looks like people grind some sort of grain or something in here and some sort of stone. Um, you you do find. Uh, uh, some cowrie shells that look like they're, you know, used as currency in some sort of jar, but you don't know if you'd be able to use that in any of the settlements that you frequent. Maybe back at the Gripley Trading Post, but also you think to yourself, like, are we really here to steal from the Gripley? No. Yeah. There's hard-earned money. Yeah, it looks like there's some rotten food on the table in here. Like, they've been abandoning this place for a while. You know, they said a couple of days, but you don't know how long it's been since they were, since life was normal here, you know? Yeah. I poke my head out and I'm like, hey, uh, you want to take a quick rest in here? I don't, I don't feel great. I could, I could, you, you, I could bandage up some of these, uh, like I pull up my pant leg and there's like a, my leg is bleeding pretty, <laughs> it's like pretty a bad. Mark. A crab shaped <laughs> yeah. indent, yeah. a claw shaped yeah. indent. <laughs> <laughs> Good, uh, good idea. Good idea. Let us make rest. I know okay. times of the essence, but yeah, it, 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 would, it would be nice. 
yeah if you die time is doesn't fucking matter anymore so um true, true. yeah okay so a uh, short rest is i'm assuming what you're talking about that would be great yeah all right so you can go ahead and stay in here and i'm gonna say if that's the plan yeah mm-hmm. yep. um, uh, yeah yeah that's cool yeah no absolutely i'm just just trying to to get a confirmation uh so that's one hour long during which a character does nothing more strenuous than eating drinking reading and tending to wounds uh, you can spend one or more hit dice at the end of the short rest to uh, regain hit points, plus your constitution modifier for Let's each hit die. So uh, talk to me about hit die recovery. Um, I'd like to spend a few. Okay, no, spend as many as you want. Just go ahead and either roll uh, them in roll 20 cool. or, or roll them and tell me what you get. Okay. That's a six plus my con is two is eight. Okay. One, two, three, right. four. Tunji um, will... So that's one die. Ooh, rough. Ooh, critical three. fail on the first hit die for Tunji. Yep, that's a three. I'm using my second one. That's a three plus two is five. Okay. I'm good. Let's see. And I also. Tunji, do you want to use more? Or are you yeah, I have... think one more. Okay. Um, all right, that's an eight. eight. So that's an 11 total hit points recovered for Tunji. And how many for uh, a bobble? It was uh, 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I trust you guys are keeping track of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. An hour passes pretty uneventfully. It's quiet and foggy here. Um, just a little spooky every time you look outside to like make sure there's nothing coming up on you. No one moving around in the village. It's just very empty. Eerie. Yeah, what's, is the lighting situation still of overcast, gray? Yeah, overcast. I'd say it's like approaching like 2 o'clock right now. So you guys are, you know, you still got plenty of daylight. Hours and hours of daylight left. Right. Um, cool. For uh, flavor, or perhaps also make necessary, Tunji will eat one of his 10 rations that he has Okay. On. Yeah, you eat some food, you rest, and you guys feel a lot better um, with bandages on your wounds. Like, you could keep going. So, standing at the mouth of this river, maybe as we see you guys emerge from this hut, but what do you do? Um, Tunji's going to look out at the village and then look back at Bobble. Perhaps we should follow the river up through the village. It'd be an easy way to track our course. Seems like a pretty good and safe safe way to do it um should one of us keep eyes on one side of the river and the other on the other side or should we only worry about this side as we uh make our way upwards as we uh, stay along the the shoreline of the river Hmm. good to think about Mm. we're looking for this temple right yeah yeah Perhaps if the river thins at a point, we can cross and observe the village from the other side as well. Yeah, I mean, I, if this is a village, I'd imagine they've got a bridge or something, right? Certainly. <laughs> but I guess they're fish people or frog people. They can probably swim. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, yeah, uh, sounds like we'll follow along the river for now. Okay. Works for me, yeah. Let's do it. All right. But, as you guys move up there, along this river. Um, you notice rising above the the 
domed roofs of these huts, um, which are pretty scattered apart. You know, they're, they're a couple hundred feet sometimes between them, or at least a hundred between most of them. Um, it's not like there's streets in this village. They're sort of like each one is next to a small pond that looks like a wallow for that house. Um, and there's like little gardens every so often. You see a lot of cattails planted in these long sort of meandering rows. And um, there's even some trees every so, every so often. They have rotted fruit as it is fall this time uh, in our world here. You know, rotted fruit at the base of them, like they haven't been harvested. And eventually you see in the center of the village, there's an enormous building compared to the rest of them. It's made of wood and mud bricks between the wooden planks uh, and pillars. Uh, it's been turned into something different than it was before. You can tell already from the outside. The crab decorations have been strewn around the ground and there's a small amount of smoke coming out of the top of an opening in this big building several hundred feet off from you. Uh-oh. That sounds like a temple. A desecrated temple. God, where's a paladin when you need one? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So what's the plan here? Looks like we got our work cut out for us. Absolutely. I say we sneak up as close as we can to up along the river bank. I'm assuming it is this rather slight, this slightly larger dot here in the center than these other yes. dots. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, Tanji would suggest perhaps we should follow the river up to a, right across it and see, get a closer look at what's going on. It makes sense to me. Okay. Just keep an eye out. Now that I see smoke, I'm paranoid that we're going to see somebody. I have no doubt about that. I um, sheath my very long sword and uh, pull out my uh, light crossbow, which still looks pretty big in my uh, small halfling hands. <laughs> Don't worry, I got Betsy. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, you, you name your weapons. I'm just kidding. <laughs> not not all of them. Just just some just of Betsy. them. Yeah, Betsy's special. Um, okay, so you guys come to this place where you're only about a hundred and something feet from the edge of this big building and you're looking across this river it burbles quietly and you you know see it's, it's pretty clean actually this, this place around here you would think when you thought frog people um you know they're they're not always friendly they're not always clean and nice but these people seem like their life was pretty simple and honest they just were a fishing village of some sort you know um, and but it looks like whatever happened here at this structure, uh, desecrated is the right word. It looks like there's been even some fighting outside. You see a couple of spears and shields, uh, similar to the Gripply that you saw uh, at the trading post, littered on the ground right outside the entrance, which is just out of sight looking inside. How fast is this river flowing at this point? It's pretty gently moving. It's not very fast. Okay, and it's not too deep? No, it seems like pretty shallow. Like, you know, you could maybe even walk across it without oh. getting fully submerged. Okay. Okay. Well. Hmm. 
feel like we should cross the the river a little bit upstream where it's a little narrower and we can approach from the uh the the east side oh yeah so over here yeah, yeah that's what i'm kind of thinking that's okay and okay let's go ahead there and go ahead so as you guys are walking up on this thing if that's the plan there just give me a perception check each of you okay cool and uh yeah i would like to say we're still trying to stay stealthy i imagine sure sure i think you're at a far enough distance right now that you know you can creep up quietly and think like we're probably out of sight but like you're behind a hut or something and you can peek around that's a 12. the most exposed moment would have been crossing the river right um okay a 12 and a 15. okay so bobble with the 15 you get a pretty good glimpse inside the entrance and there are shapes moving around inside you see one obscure some glowing firelight and it doesn't seem like the shape of a gripply Um, doesn't look like a gripply in there just as they said Mm. What was it that was on the cylinders? There was like crabs and serpents. There was a serpent that came and serpent folk that came that seemed to attack the village in the cylinders that you moved across the clay. And after the serpent attack, it looked as if the village lay in ruins and i think that sort of as you guys discuss that sort of echoes through your brain and you remember that the avowed um pelt or whatever his name was who uh was talking to you said that we're concerned that history is repeating itself how do we get it to not repeat itself Whatever we must do, we have to see what's inside there. You think we can... Sorry, what, what, what was that? Oh, no, sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, um, do you think we can get in there or see what's in there without being seen? Or without being attacked? If, the, if whatever's in there is done, we're the ones who did what they've done to this entire village. Man, that makes no sense whatsoever. If those in the temple have done this to the village. I think it's best that they don't know we're here. But I have an idea, if you're willing to go with it. I like ideas. Tanji's going to point over to this area over here, so these kind of huts over here. Mm -hmm. Perhaps one of us, I could sneak over there and start a small house, a hut file, you could say. Maybe draw some of them out. And when they're drawn out, investigating that we can see what's inside yeah then maybe we can like shut the door on them and i don't know <laughs> maybe then there then we'd be trapped in there but then we'd be separated too mm. i like the idea of drawing them out though Well, I'm not so sneaky. I don't know about you. Mm. Okay. 
We could just go in there, Betsy blazing. <laughs> I mean, you I saw what you did to those crab things. <laughs> but I don't want to be stupid about this. <laughs> hmm. Avoiding conflict is always ideal. Perhaps... Hmm. Perhaps we can tell them to go back where they came from? <laughs> In an ideal world, yes. But hardly anything is ideal now, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they would listen to just some strange folk walking in and telling them to go back to where <laughs> they came from. That seems, Let's get closer. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. We're just going to sneak. We're going to sneak closer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Advance the plot. Let's let's move in. Sure. So like, so you guys move in. No hut burning. No uh, elaborate plan here. Just move up to the, to the large one, the large building. I do like the idea of burning a hut. It's up to you guys. Before we resolve what happens next, I say so. Okay. Yeah. So Tunji is thinking of sneaking over here, burning like let's say like setting this hut on fire, and then like Mm -hmm. once he once the fire catches, like getting the hell out of there, and like so basically kind of distracting back. Yeah, sprinting back around, yeah. trying to get trying to get back to Bobble in time. And if they see, you know, if they feel like enough people have kind of left the area, kind of running in there themselves. Sure. And again, one keeping watch. If they see the guy starting to come back, they could ideally book it out of there. Sure. In time. So but, splitting yeah. up, one of you setting fire to it, with with the other one laying in wait to go inside. If they draw, if you draw them out. Yeah, and ideally, if the fire takes a moment to catch, uh, Tunji would try to, you know, double time it back over to Bobble, so Bobble wouldn't have to necessarily go in alone. But of course, if the window is there, then sure. Go Maybe for we it. should just go in from either side, just in case. Oh yeah. So so set the fire here, and then Tunji goes on. He he runs this other way. Side. Yeah. 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 Okay. You split up and wait yeah. for them to respond after that. Okay. So that's yeah. the scene then. We yes. see you make your way stealthily over to another hut. Hold on, my dog's gonna freak out here. Oh well, no, doggy. I think before, right before, um, right before Tenji leaves, I, uh, take the, uh, the weird, like, uh, horn thing that I have. i be like, here, uh, this is, it's a crazy horn thing that I have. Anyways, so, if something goes wrong, just, like, blow into it and think of me and I'll hear it, but no sounds will happen. Okay? And so that's like, if something goes really bad, this is, I don't know, this is just like the bad horn. And if the bad horn goes off, we should just meet back here, maybe? Tunji is gonna look, give an incredulous look like, I'm sorry, what? But one of those like, oh, oh, okay, I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to use your next contraption in such a way, but... I hope we don't. I hope we don't have to. But thank you. Okay, I will yeah. remember this. And yeah. So you can, <laughs> you can blow it like four times. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll come up with better ideas later. But <laughs> emergency is blow the horn. Understood. All right. Cool. All right. Good luck. You too. Yeah, Tanji's just gonna go like this way. I think I figure he's gonna like light this one on fire. Um, oh, heck yes! Do then... some drawings. I'm gonna I'll, I'll draw the fires, 
Yeah, and he's gonna. And I'll probably like sprint. Like, I don't, looks like there's brush over here, and then kind of like chill out over here. And I guess neither of neither of okay. uh, <clears throat> nor Tunji know where the heck they're gonna. How many are in there? But I guess they'll wait until it feels like the majority, or when they, there's enough. <laughs> you guys are done running. And I then love this drawing that's on the map that I can see now. This is great. I love that you guys are drawing the the route, <laughs> the, the battle plans here. It's great. Um, okay. Okay. So this is, this is how roll twenty should be used. This is so. So one more time from the beginning. Yes. You guys are gonna go set fire to this frog person house. Just Tunji. Just yep. Tunji. Just to and waiting then, here, gonna but you guys are gonna in, waiting to sneak up in. and wait so that you can basically approach from different angles and you have a fail safe that if something goes bad, you're gonna make a bunch of noise, right? Yeah, Tunji will he uh, he has Bobble's horn device, siren device, and then after he sets the fire, he's gonna run to the opposite, literal opposite end of this facility building. And once they feel there's no more folk or things running from it. They're going to run in and see what's cooking. Okie dokie. Um, so, I think that's what we see. I think we see Tunji sneak over quietly to this house. And you take from your pack some flint and tinder. And um, you set fire to... In the hearth of this home, even, there's a little bit of uh, leftover kindling, and you make the fire, and you think to yourself, ah, this doesn't feel right, but small price to pay if we can get the whole, you know, group of Gripley back into their village. One hut can be rebuilt. Um, we just need to not die while we're out here. And the thatched roof of this mud hut is set to flame. Right. And then and it books it. Book it out of there. Yeah. Woo! Okay. And you start making your way, nervously looking back over your shoulder, but trying to stay quiet. And Bobble, you have your eyes fixed on the front of this building, right? Got okay. my got old Betsy. And I'm slowly creep, crouching, creeping up, uh, or like if I can find any hiding like crates or bushes to hide behind. Sure. As I'm slowly creeping up, watching the fire erupt sure. all of a sudden, and hopefully some uh, uh, enemies or whatever run out. Yeah. Of the okay. Three figures make their way out of the front of this building, and you hear shouting. Both of you. It's... They look like humans. They're wearing strange clothes, sort of flowing-looking robes, uh, and some of them have, like, utilitarian-looking tunics on. Um, not the common garb of, of humans. Uh, and Bobble, you catch one of them as a patch of scales running across their neck. Uh, and they look over at the smoke and they're gesticulating wildly and shouting in a language that you don't understand. Um, and one of them points at the thing and points at the other two and gestures for them to go and check it out and then storms back inside this building. And two of these figures start making their way over towards the fire. And you know what? I think we're gonna leave.
two. <laughs> Oh, man. 